What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Grace Unscripted. It's good to be here again. Hey, my guest today is Noelle Beck. Uh, she is the founder and current executive director of First Glance. First Glance is a youth center that operates in the Kenmore neighborhood of Akron, and we're going to dive into um, everything that First Glance is doing and how it was started and all that. Um, but I thought this would just be a great time to bring her on. Uh, the whole project just started here at church last week, and uh, First Glance is, is a partner of ours that we invest a lot of resources in, and uh, they're also a partner of ours that could use more uh, financial help from individuals or more time being donated. And so I thought it'd be cool just to have her explain everything that the First Glance is doing and for us to hear some of her needs uh, straight from her mouth as well. And so I really enjoyed my time with her. I found her to be incredibly vibrant. Uh, she's an electric uh, feel for life. And it was just awesome to talk with her and hear her passion for, for kids, her passion for the Lord. I know she she pushed me and she encouraged me and, and I think she'll do the same for you. And so thanks for tuning in, guys. And as always, enjoy the podcast. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for coming in today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm excited for the opportunity to, to hang out with you for a little bit and uh, just kind of learn about what you guys are doing at first glance and how you got there. I'm, I'm interested to, to learn all this, so uh, I appreciate you joining me. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate the invitation. I always love to talk about first glance and what God's doing there. So, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So let's let's just get into it. So you are um, the executive director of first glance. That's true. That's what I found <laughs> online. So tell me this. So how would you describe um, First Glance to the audience that's listening to this? Uh, the easiest picture is that First Glance is a youth center. So we have basketball courts. We have a skate park. We do all of these things. Um, so those have, are inside? Yes. Because I saw about the skate park. So it's an indoor skate park in First Glance. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. So we um, we offer 11 programs, and we have kind of all of the space in Kenmore um, but really, as much as it, as we offer these programs and um, from a teen moms program, a skate park, recreational night, high school night, you know, student leaders, all these things, really the goal of First Glance is to like build relationships essentially outside the walls of the church in order to show these teenagers, especially as who we kind of work with, the hope yeah. and love of Jesus, right? Yeah. And so how do we go to them versus creating spaces where they have to come to us? Right. Gotcha. So, like the incarnational ministry strategy of like Jesus came to us, yeah. we will go to them. Yes. I'm a young life guy, so I know some <laughs> of this stuff. So my buddy John Grissom, do you remember him? Oh yeah, I love John. So I was talking to him on the phone today, and because uh, he used to do a podcast, or whatever, and he's like, "Who's your guest today?" I was telling, him, I was like, "No." He's like, "I know her." He's like, "Tell her I said hi," because he he said he came down and he was kind of checking out how you guys were doing stuff several years back. I mean, this yeah. have been like seven eight years ago or yeah, something like that. For sure, we would meet up for coffee and yeah. talk you know, student ministries. That's cool. That's awesome. cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what we were trying to do with Young Life is that same model of like, there is 80% of these kids are never going to walk into a church door. Maybe we can get them there if we go out and, and find them first and just try to love on them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I that's always, cool. uh, it's, it seems like a really, you know, simple statement, but it's true. People who don't go to church don't go to church. Yeah. And so how do you create a space that feels 
safe and loving and comfortable for them to be at and introduce them to the church. Yeah. Like I have a, a, a pretty good buddy of mine that um, I got him to visit here finally and stuff. And uh, one of the things he just talks to me openly about, he's like, my, my wife's never really gone to church. So he's like, it's it's more complicated than you would think to be like, yeah, let's go to church. Because it's like, it's a, it's a barrier that someone's not used to almost. And it's just like, they're probably not going to walk in outside of a relationship helping be a part of getting them in here. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. All right. So how did uh, how did first glance start? Um, this is a great question. I <laughs> it goes back to what I just said. People who don't go to church don't go to church, and I actually thought I was going to be an overseas missionary. So for whatever reason, I mean, ultimately, I think God put it in my heart even when I was in high school. Okay, so let's go here. Uh, high school, you went to Field High School in Mogador. So, <laughs> I went to Field High School, technically so that, in Suffield. So gotcha. when, you, when you live in the, when you go to school called Field, you yeah. go, you're in the middle of nowhere. And so that's like a little east of Ellet, is that right? Yes. Okay, because mm-hmm. I lived in Ellet for a couple years. All right, so you went there. Um, did you grow up in like a Christian home? I did. Okay, because you went to Malone. I was like, I figured you probably yeah, did. Okay. I did. Um, so you rolled into Malone High School and then into to Malone, and you already felt like God was putting it on your heart to go be a missionary? Yeah, for the unchurched. So my heart, you know, exactly what you're saying. I grew up in the church, and it seemed in some ways unfair that I had this experience where my parents loved Jesus and took me to church every Sunday, yeah. and other people didn't, yeah. right? And so I wanted them to experience that same love and grace um and in my mind in my limited thinking my thought was well if you want to tell unchurched about jesus you become a missionary right (laughs) and so somebody challenged me so two things happened one was the recognition that people who don't go to church don't go to church right and the second one was uh somebody had challenged me with the idea that what makes you think crossing an ocean makes you an evangelist Hmm. if you're not doing it here would you be doing it there? Yeah, like if you're not comfortable doing it here, what makes you think you'd be comfortable doing it in Uganda or yes. something? Yes. It's a touching point. <laughs> so I'm in college. Yeah. I am working super part-time at the chapel in Akron. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to Malone, and I start to be challenged with this thought. Even our outreach events were all, hey, big, and they were big, and they were fun, and we were throwing these all-nighters, and 350 teenagers. At the chapel? Yeah. Okay. We're showing up for these all-nighters, but it was still all, so, all within the church. So I decided while I was finishing college, uh, I would go outside the walls of the church, and how do you just go into a neighborhood and start to create a safe space and 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 engage teenagers, was yeah. always my heart, uh, there. And one of my friends, Karen Freeman, who's actually part of Grace, um, at the time, she and I knew each other through the chapel, and she says, hey, there's nothing in Kenmore. And so we get this free community center, right? How does that happen? We just so asked how to old use are you? It. So you're in college? I'm in college, 22 years old. And uh, and they give you a free community center? Not to own, but just, just to, to use. space to like yeah. kind of use. Okay, uh-huh. so you're not even paying rent. It's just no, like, no, hey, no. you can use this space yeah. for free in Kenmore. Yeah, it's a senior center the rest of the week, right? Gotcha. So, so that's how you landed in Kenmore, just yes. because someone was like, there's nothing here and this center's free yes. for us to use. Yes. Okay. So Karen had already been established in Kenmore and her husband had lived in Kenmore. He's actually currently the councilman of Kenmore. And so we have some connections there. And there really isn't anything for the teenagers. So we open the first night, and I think, oh, three to five students are going to be there, right? Yeah. And 22 kids from the community come, and within three weeks, we're averaging 60 to 80 teenagers. That's and a quick they're, pickup. Yeah. <laughs> they're there waiting before we open, right? Yeah. So since then, on Thursday nights for the last 19 years, we open at 7 o'clock. 
And for the last 19 years, at 3 o'clock, somebody is sitting outside my door waiting wow. for us to open at 7 o'clock. That's right? unbelievable. What are you doing out here? Yeah. Waiting for first glance to open? Wow. And so one day I found, it was during the summer, and there was a girl sitting on our back wall waiting for us to open. And it was 10 in the morning. And I was like, Hope, it's like real early. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I got to go run some errands. Jump in my car. Let's go. So That's but, pretty wild. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So that's that's how you got to Kenmore. How does yes. it, how does like things start to evolve? Like well, at what point are you like, like we're just doing some stuff or we have this place where we can hang out with kids. Like how does that happen that you're like transitioned from kind of working part-time at um, the chapel to like, I'm actually kind of starting this thing in Kenmore. Like what was the initiative in that? Yeah. Um, well, I always want to encourage people to be obedient to the next step, right? Sometimes people start out with these lofty goals and that's awesome. Uh, that wasn't me and that's not been a lot of the experiences that I've engaged with other people. Usually you're just obedient to the next step, right? I was obedient. I wanted to go outside the walls of the church because people who don't go to church don't go to church and we grew. And so after two years of being in a free community center every other Thursday, um, we say, hey, we need, we need, we need our own space, right? We needed it every week and we need our own space. So we start renting a facility, right? Like in Kenmore still. In Kenmore still. There. Yeah. So we find this building and um and it was funny because I Karen had found it and I went I wasn't living in Kenmore at the time. I went and I looked at it. And it's ten thirty at night and I call her and she's not home and her daughter answers and I say, Hey, God told me we need this building, right? And yeah. <laughs> which was a which was a strong statement and and it had been $1,200 a month, and we couldn't afford $1,200. We didn't know we could afford any money, right? Yeah. We still, in theory, all the programming was under the chapel's budget at the moment, uh, but nothing for capital, nothing to rent buildings and that sort of thing. That was all going to end up on us. And so we, uh, it's $1,200. It started at 1800 a month. They had dropped it to 1200 a month. And now, I'm I Karen, I said, hey, I think if we could get it to, like, a thousand we could do this right and karen was like there's no way they're gonna drop it there's no way and she calls the next day and they say hey we actually cut this in half at six hundred dollars a month we wow, just did this that? yesterday yeah. i was like see i told you yeah. God, don't. no so we start renting the space and we grew instantly we're now 125 students a night right now, is this the current place you're in Yes. So okay. we've expanded. So we started renting a space and now we've purchased that building and the building beside us. Okay. So that was 5,000 square feet. We're now at 25,000 square feet. Gotcha. So, wow. That's yeah. quite a jump there. Yeah. Okay. So then walk me through that. So um, when you start first glance, what all were you guys doing? So when you say, yeah, like we have a space that kids can come, like what, what exactly were you inviting them to? I understand Jesus is at the end of that, but like- <laughs> sure programmatically, I guess, what are you inviting them to? Yeah. So our recreational night is still the same. So if you come today when we're recording, it's a Thursday. If you came tonight, you would see similar thing, right? We're offering um, a safe space to engage uh, just recreationally. So there's no official program. We don't have them sitting down and we're going to have a lesson or that sort of thing. And that's why we're still averaging 125 students. Yeah. we play basketball, we have air hockey, we have video games, we have beanbag chairs, they just sit around and And this chat. is just teenagers on a Thursday teenagers night every week. On a Thursday night. And then I get as many adults in the room as possible. Gotcha. Uh, they can buy two pieces of pizza and a can of pop for $1.25. We cover our costs, we sell some small concessions. So who are these adults? 
Who are the adults? Yeah. Uh, anybody who wants to come make a difference in a student's life. So like, is, <laughs> is, is, he like, is this thing on? Um, so like, is that mo- predominantly people from Kenmore that you've met? Is it parents in the room or is it just people that have like, man, I got a heart for some kids I don't know? Yeah. Kind yeah. It's a lot of people from uh, churches all around predominantly. Uh, but yeah, one of our biggest goals is to bring students back uh, and become volunteers. So we're not getting parents as much as we're getting former students. So that's right cool. now we're in a an influx of this. Where and that's always my goal, right? Yeah. I want former students to be our future leaders, and we are seeing this over and over. Um, and so then they also have the ability to kind of just step in and and make an impact. That makes sense. All right, let me ask you this: When did um so you're working part-time for the chapel, you're in college. When does this transition to like, I'm doing first glance full-time, I'm out of college, I'm no longer um, at the chapel. Did you go to Trinity? I wrote that down. Did. Did, mm-hmm. So how does that all work? And I'm just curious on your timeline. I'd love to get to hear about that. Yeah, so I'm in college, we're doing this, um, and there was a shift. Well, um, now I have to think about it for a second. <laughs> I'm trying to give you an accurate timeline. So yeah, we're in college. And I think that this is just like a nice program that one day will just not be in existence. Yeah, right? like, this I is something that um, I'm giving my time to for a little bit. Yeah. I still thought I was going to be an overseas missionary for a lot of years, even into doing first glance. Um, and so in 2005, we actually became our own nonprofit. So I was on staff at the chapel. So I went from being just super part-time to then being what was an intern at the time where I did do the college, the Trinity program. Gotcha. Uh, got my master's. And that was through the chapel? Through the okay. chapel. Mm-hmm. The a chapel hosted an extension site. Then I become the director of junior high. So I'm now running the junior high department myself uh, in the Akron campus. And my, I had a co in the green campus. This is when the green campus just became uh, in existence, essentially. And I recognized I was being pulled in two different arenas, right? And so I have these students that were in the midst of learning. I remember so distinctly one night, like Wednesday night, we're teaching junior hires what it is to worship and we start singing. And this is like the new thing that we're in the midst of learning and growing in. And the next night I saw these students and a kid, <laughs> he had dropped his knife. I was like, hey, you dropped your knife, right? And we were just like <laughs> the the like the two different like students. So only 16% claim any form of church that walk through our door for first glance. I read that 80, 84% unchurched. 84%. And even the 16% may just be, I go sometimes with grandma, yeah, right? With that grandma. doesn't, that's not a intimate relationship with God. That's, mm-hmm. I go to church sometimes. And so that was the like recognizing there was two different spaces and two different ministries and I needed to give my attention to one. You felt like you couldn't do both of them part-time. You wanted to give your heart to one of them. Yes. And so recognizing anybody would take the junior high director job at the chapel. Yeah, definitely, right? It's a stable one. (laughs) That's easy. And nobody's going to take this job in Kenmore, right? And both of them needed more attention than I was able to give and I just didn't like that my time was split. Right. I loved them both for different reasons. And so yeah. that was I still love junior high. I still love junior high ministry, uh, which is still why I'm doing it to some extent, uh, just a little differently. But um, and so I asked the chapel essentially, hey, can I leave and can I take the first glance with me? Essentially, like I think it needs to become its own nonprofit. 
and they were in that space too. Like they liked it. They liked it as a little a program, but they knew that it needed to grow further than they were willing to kind of s- stay yeah. with it. So they sent me out. They Ch- Chapel still like supports us and likes us and we have great relationship with them. And so they were really gracious in letting me just take it. Now this means I have no pay. Yeah. <laughs> Insurance to pay. Everything's gone just like that. Gone. Um, and so we still keep going. So this is 2005. We shift it into its own nonprofit. And it wasn't for about another two years that I realized, like, no, this is really where God has us. Yeah. Like, so what, I mean, I don't think it's too personal. So what were you doing for money? Like the first two years, like, how are you doing this? Because <laughs> well, you got to pay to yeah. do something. I was married. Um, so you are married to so so your husband, Tim. My husband, Tim. Yeah. So that helped. He had an, engineer, an engine, engineering job. And we actually both transitioned in the same year, which was bizarre. We had bought randomly an inflatable company because uh, we used to rent them for youth events. This gotcha. guy was selling them. Tim says, let's have a side business, yeah. which ends up taking over his life. And so he ends up, we both kind of go from two full-time steady jobs and pay to this inflatable company and running first glance so for no So he quit no his pay. engineering job to run an inflatable <laughs> company and you quit your church job to go run a not-for-profit in the same time. Yes. That's stressful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We went from a lot of money to a little money, which yeah. was fine. Uh, we knew this is what God was doing. And I am a big proponent. I actually really encouraged him in it. Um because he just didn't love i just don't give a whole lot of time to a space that you don't love right and he just didn't love his job and he dreaded it and i just thought that's miserable yeah that's a miserable way to live so you know do something make less money but you enjoy your life great yeah and he's loved it ever since so this is like 2005 2006 ish okay Mm -hmm. and then you start you'd say maybe like 2007 2008 you're like oh this is something maybe bigger than i thought like this is something that needs to be like a full-time yeah, Kick. so it was still a full-time job for me okay. at that point. Uh, we had started adding programs and starting to do more more things. How um, much help did you have? Is this like you running this on your own, or did you have some people? We had volunteers. Just volunteers, you know. okay. So um, eventually, it wasn't until 2008 that we started to have some actual other staff. Could you have a staff now? Yeah. 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 I looked, <laughs> I looked through some of that. Those pictures were making me laugh. You all got the arm tats. Yes. That, yes. that was funny. I okay. felt like it helped us stand out. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, in, we start to kind of make that more full time. And there was a point where I realized, like, oh, this isn't going away. Right. For a while, I kind of thought, like, oh, this is going to be for a stint of time. And then it's going to transition into something. Yeah. You know, it's going to just it's going to dissolve or whatever. And now it's like, oh, this is going to be around. There's a need for this. There's a way that we're interacting and reaching the community that I didn't anticipate and we need to just keep doing it. That's cool. Um, all right. Can we talk through some of your programs? Sure. You got 11 of them, right? <laughs> we have 11. So that's, yes. a, that's a busy spot. We don't have to touch. I don't want to go through all of them because that would sure. take forever. But um, all right. So you talked about um, the young adult stuff. Predominantly, you, we've talked about teenagers, but I wanted to highlight this for a second. You're doing some stuff for some older kids too now, right? Yes. Like ni- 19 to like 29, kind of that range where you're like trying to figure out how in the world do I be an adult? Yeah. So what does that look like? What are you guys doing for for these young men and women who are trying to figure out how in the world do I live outside of high school now or whatnot? Sure. Yeah, that was one of our uh, realizations. We were we kind of have a cutoff age of, actually, it's 20, just because some are still 18 or 19, and they're still in high school, and so before they graduate. So the you young know, adult cutoff's 20? 
So, yeah, all of our other program is cut off at 20. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yep, um, yep. And we recognize, like, our students, we've invested in them and cared for them for years, sometimes 10, 12 years, and um, and now there's nothing for them to do. There's no, yeah. there's no community event. There's no any other space for them to go, honestly, outside of the bars. And, and I, like, there was just literally nothing. So um, we gathered a lot of our young adults together one day and just said, like, hey, if we did something for the young adults, would you come? And they said, oh, yeah, 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 we need, we need it. We need it. You guys kept us out of trouble. Like, yeah. this keeps us – this gives us community, keeps us out of trouble. And so – uh, yeah, so Monday nights is still, it's kind of a chill night for young adults and we eat dinner together. A lot of our programs, we eat dinner together. Yeah. Um, so we provide meals, um, and we eat dinner together and then, yeah, just engage in, um, somewhat recreational, just give them a space to be, a space to commune that doesn't cost money, that yeah. isn't, you know, again, if you're going to commune somewhere, it's got to either be somebody's house or a restaurant or something. So to get 30 or 40 young adults just in a space to be. That's yeah, great. That is cool. When did you guys build a skate park? So we started doing a skate. We had a, skateboarding always, is not always, but for a really long time as part of our programming. Kids would just show up with skateboards. So we started buying ramps. And then we started building some ramps. Um, about seven years ago, we took over a portion of the building. We had owned it and then the renters were done. And so we had actually turned it into a full skate park. So it's all the pictures. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's big for uh, you know just for it for it being just part of our ministry. If you went to a regular skate park, a regular skate park would be significantly bigger than that. But because we're the only indoor skate park um, in the Akron area, it really drives all the skaters to our building at some point. Well, yeah, because we live in Ohio, right? So (laughs) it's like, well, there's like six months of the year you can't really be be outside at the skate park um yes. well that's cool that you just kind of recognize that like hey these kids keep showing up like let's give them something to do here yeah that's awesome and that yeah that definitely would bring them in especially when there's nowhere else to go sure yeah absolutely so we have an opportunity to really impact the skate culture and that's our desire that's awesome know? um all right let's talk about um you started a new a new program called the connect um yeah. for like sounds like it's kind of for young moms maybe for some fathers too and then um is the tiny glancers is that kind of tied into that is that their children yeah okay so can you talk about how those two um, programs kind of interact yeah so we do host a program for moms young moms teen moms um and while they're in their program kind of learning and growing and uh in in parenthood and jesus in all of the ways we again eat dinner together uh their kids if they're three and up go to what's called tiny glancers and that's um run by a fantastic woman angela um and she used to be a teacher so she really does help do kind of kindergarten readiness really works with the kids and gives them a lot of hands-on kind of school-like um but really fun interactive um lessons and so it's an opportunity to help so for those who don't know a kid who is in poverty will be exposed to 30 to 50 million less words by the time they hit kindergarten than a kid in middle class or upper um or a wealthy class 50 million less words yes that's staggering it's staggering and so this is why kids who are coming out of poverty often are kind of they're already behind the eight ball mm-hmm by the time they're starting kindergarten. Day one of kindergarten, the average kid coming out of a poverty situation, statistically, is starting. He's starting to race 20 meters back. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because they're just, they're not as. Yeah, it's a um, shame. Maybe it's a, it's a single parent. And so you're just, you're at the sitter and you're not being read to as often or talked to as often or yeah. those sorts of things. And so again, it's not, our moms or moms coming in a, from a poverty situation aren't bad moms at all. Let me be very clear. They're not bad moms. They are working really hard to support themselves and their families. And sometimes because of that, then their kids are, you know, are experiencing this. And so this is where Angela steps in with our Tiny Aliens program and says, hey, let's let's help them. And we're going to help the moms so that their kids are ready for kindergarten. That's cool. What a neat thing. Yeah. Yeah, Because my two, I have three daughters, but my oldest now in kindergarten, my uh, middle is in like her second year preschool. But like. Yeah, they were in preschool, right? So before showing up to kindergarten, Nola had like two, three years of preschool. You know, she's yeah, doing all this yeah. junk. She's got books that we're trying to read her at night and stuff. And so like, I can't imagine not having any of that and then showing up at kindergarten. Like, hey guys, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's wild. Well, that's cool. What a neat thing to do. Yeah. I saw, um, I circled this one. You got something on your thing called Man Up. <laughs> now, you're, now you're speaking my language because <laughs> I started a connect group here called Man Up. All right, uh, So my buddy Nate Rail, he's one of the head adult pastors here. Um, we started a connect group called Man Up that was, and it's still going, really. It's kind of the heartbeat of um, of really what I find a lot of purpose in here at, at the church and what uh, Nate and I are real passionate about. And we've, we're meeting other men, which are passionate about it too, which is really cool. We've uh, found a group of men that are kind of trying to build on this together of just like helping men step into these spaces that God designed them to be in. Yeah. Um, most importantly for their families, right? Sure. Um, and then, and then for the church too. But yeah, I'm gonna hear talk about this. What what are you guys doing um, to encourage the young men in, in your community? Yeah, I love it. Um, I don't always understand it. The very first thing that the man up group did was take apart a car, which makes every man think that was awesome. And me say, well, what are we gonna do with it now? Yeah, right? We gotta put it back together. What's up? <laughs> um, but yeah, how do you teach young men how to be young men? So we know statistically just. Uh, a lot of young men don't have father figures in their lives, right? And so how do we step in and how do we do this? We have a great team of adults and volunteers who just invest in these young men's lives. They have man rules and, and just a lot of little things that you don't think about that uh, these guys need to be taught, right? Some of that's just how to use tools, right? So yeah. this is great. They take apart a car because they learn how to use tools or they build soapbox derby cars or they do kind of these man activities. What percentage of... Of the kids, that, I mean, you might not know this, but just estimating, what percentage of the guys that come through um, first glance would you say maybe don't have a father figure at home? Oh, the majority. Really? So when, uh, so we Man. partner with um, Kemp, who runs the, he's now Love Ak- the director of Love Akron, but he also um, is the football coach in Kenmore. And so we use our building to host them at times and those sorts of things. And Kemp said when he first started, um, Last year, he went and met all the families out of all the men, all the guys on his football team, only four dads he met. So that wow. gives you statistics on that end of things. Um, That's crazy because, like I, like I said, I have three daughters. And so, like, sometimes, I mean, I don't dream about it, but, like, your head will go to the weird spaces sometimes when, like, Tanya's home later from work. And I'm thinking, and I'm like, oh, she's all right. And then I'll be like, how in the world would I raise three daughters by myself? Hmm. Like, I can't imagine them. Yeah not having a mom to teach them all this junk. Like, I don't know anything <laughs> about being a, a girl, you know what I mean? And so I can't imagine how hard that must be for some of those guys to grow up with no father figure. Sure. And yeah. I mean, I've read a kind of extensively on that of just like some of the psychological stuff and everything of like growing up as a 
as a boy without a father figure presence. And I mean, it's a legitimate, massive issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but, so how do we teach them how to be men? And, it, you know, it. <clears throat> one of the things that I think First Lance does a lot is I call it unofficial education. Right. I want them to see me interact with my husband and see what a good, healthy marriage looks like. Mm-hmm. Right. I want them to see me get really mad and not yell and cuss at them. Right. Yeah. I want and I say to my girls all the time, I've been married for 19 years and I've never been hit. Right. And some for some of our students, that's a new concept. The norm mm-hmm. is abuse, abuse, unfortunately. Right. And so how do you create these new scenarios that they think is only exists on tv right and even then even then that's questionable and so um and that's what we try and do with these men is they need solid men in their life to show them a different way and the thing that triggered it and it's a hard conversation to have but the thing that triggered it is one of our students had been arrested for raping a girl Mm. right and so when this is one of our regular students the men rise up and say we're going to start a group called man up and we have to teach men how to be men and how to respect women and how to i mean and that's all across the board that's not girls you're dating that's your mom that's other you know people in relationship and so these men are awesome i love them they're devoted to these young guys and just volunteers oh yeah they're all volunteers so most of the people who even run our programs are volunteers we're not we don't pay a ton of people we just can't afford to. And so really it's a lot of volunteers who say, hey, I have a heart for this and I'm gonna do this. And so these men say, hey, I hate that this kid, that's, I mean, we saw it in the paper. I hate that this kid raped this girl. So. Yeah, let's step into that space and. Yeah, what do we do to stop these things from the future? Hmm. I know for me, like, I grew up in a Christian home um, and I, I had a good dad, like parents that were around. And um, a lot of parenting is for me was just trying to do the things that I thought that I liked that my dad didn't try to step into those. And then if there were some things that I didn't love, maybe trying not to do those. And I still feel like I have no idea what I'm doing sometimes. Sure. So I can't even imagine the struggle of like never seeing, never having seen a father or having seen like divorce and abuse and then trying to walk into a marriage and be like, yeah, I'm going to be the game changer. It's like, how do you change that yeah. without... Yeah. Well, without Jesus really changing your heart or some pe- and some people to walk with you in that. Sure. And that's the number one way. So if you read anything, even on classes, right, the number one way somebody moves from being in, um, in a poverty environment to a middle class environment is through personal relationship. Right. Until somebody teaches you the the rules. Right. There's a lot of hidden rules in. Yeah, yeah there are. There really are. <laughs> you know, I took a, a group of students one time to a wedding and they had never been to a, a wedding. And I look over during the reception and one of my girls has walked around the table and collected all the plates and has taken them to the kitchen. That's funny. You don't have to do that. Yeah. They'll like, come take your plate. Right. Um, and so there's these random hidden rules. And so. That's true of anything, right? You want people to move from not believing in Jesus to believing in Jesus. They just need somebody to walk alongside and to teach these things that they didn't know. Tim and I had a kid who lived with us for over a year. It was a decade ago, literally. And he still, to this day, talks about how he learned how to load a dishwasher at our house, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like... Out of all the things, Joe, didn't you learn something more than just how to load a dishwasher? But he taught his wife how to load a dishwasher. He had never lived in a house with a dishwasher. And this was like, and we just taught him, like, this is where these go. You know, just you have a system for how you load your dishwasher and everybody's system is different. But 
he still remembers this random thing. And unless we walk with, and that's a lot of what First Glance does. It's not that these, it's these specific programs of a specific curriculum. It's really relational. It's 100% relational. How do I love you and show you some different ways? Not because I'm right and you're wrong, but because I love you enough to help you. Yeah. That's cool. Let me list them. We don't have to go into all these, but you have some other programs you're running, like almost leaders where you're looking at like seniors in high school, trying to like raise them up as leaders. Are these kids that would have been like in your program and now you're preparing them to continue to help others in the program or even going forward in life? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a high value on leadership um, and just really empowering our students as leaders and having ownership in our program. So we have a student leader program. So that's when they're in Actually, our programs, junior high, high school, they have the ability to apply and to be part of the student leader program. And then from there, once they're too old to come to first glance, so let's say they turn 20, but they still want to come a rec night, they still want to come to these things, then we put them in the almost leader program. You can come back, you can be a leader, but let me train you what it's like to be a leader, right? Let me train you what it's like because they see us. And they want to emulate us as leaders. But I still have to go through like, hey, you can't, you know, yeah. <laughs> you can't yell at a kid. You can't beat up a kid. You can't. And so they're not quite ready to be. I, I can't put them in a space where they have full authority as a as a volunteer because they're just not ready for that yet. Yeah. And so we put them in this almost leader program. And we train them how to be volunteers. Um, so they are our future volunteers. So they are our future staff. Yeah. I remember when, uh, like Grace does that here, I remember when I f- first approached uh, the staff about like some of the connect group stuff and grace will have you take some classes before they like just roll you out there and it's kind of the same stuff and i remember nate said with me like all right dude so like if we're going to transition like to this now where you're going to lead a connect group we kind of have like a you're there's a little bit of a standard you're held to here of like we're putting you in a position now where they're like you have a little bit of responsibility right like if you're teaching guys man up and then if they would look on some social media of yours and it's just inconsistent, like that's confusing for them. Or if like they would show up at a baseball game and you're there and you're just trashed, it'd be like this would be confusing to them. You're you're kind of creating a discrepancy in what it looks like to try to lead and, and be associated with Jesus in the church. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So I really yeah. cut back my drinking since then. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm fine. Um, all right. So let me ask this. So what is this? Um, I was reading about you have an urban learning experience. Yeah. Is that like a train, like a, like almost like a two-year internship that you guys offer for, is it like kids coming out of college, college age kids? What is that? Yeah. I mean, technically any age, but (laughs) yes, it's mainly college age and fresh out of college. And it's those who want, right? They want to be in ministry. They want to, or they maybe want to learn about urban ministry. Um, So we, it is a support raising experience, but they raise their own support and we, I mean, we let them lead programs. We give them hands-on experience. We give them lots of books and training. So there's kind of, none of it's credentialed. So so it can't be applied to some college credit in the future, just (laughs) FYI. But uh, we have a lot of people who come through it, right? They're volunteers and they want a a larger role within the organization. or a larger experience, or they want to go on to ministry. And so a lot of times, as you know, college isn't as as vital as experience at times in these, you know, in urban ministry job positions. Yeah. And so So um, do you have do you have students doing that right now? 
Uh, we have currently just one urban learner right now. So we've, we, we take as many as five and we just happen to have a major shift where we lost a few and we've only gained one. So we're still open to that. So if anybody has an interest in it, yeah, contact us. We'd That's love cool. It. So what is your, let me ask you this, what does your daily life look like with, um, like what are you doing on a daily basis as the executive director of First Glance? How does your day fill up with that? Um, a lot. So I really feel as the executive director, my number one job is to give people the resources to do their ministries well. So my first priority is to who I call extended staff. So staff is people we pay. Extended staff is anybody who runs a program and people we pay, right? And mm-hmm. so my job is to really empower them, encourage them, give them the resources, give them all that they need to run their ministries well. And part of that is a large part of my role is fundraising, which is never as fun as hanging out with teenagers. Um, <laughs> yes, it works for it. <laughs> so there's some of that admin and fundraising stuff that I do, but I have said always, I will always run a program. So right now um, I go to every Thursday night and we just started a high school only night and I run that. Um, and so I interact with the students as much as possible. So I go to programs two nights a week. I try and meet with students outside of programming. I try and meet with our volunteers outside of programming. And then uh, donor development and, you know, all the other that admin sounds healthy stuff. though. I, that, that sounds healthy of like, I think sometimes in our, in our world, the way jobs work is when things grow and you get more busy and you kind of are at the top of the totem pole, you get, naturally you get less and less and less of what you actually started this to be it was sure. like your interaction with kids. Yeah. So it's cool that you've been able to keep that a, a priority. So you're not just like stuck up there fundraising all day or yeah. whatnot. That would be terrible. I would hate my life yeah. and quit. So, and that's the reality is I've always known that where I find my most joy is being with the teenagers. And so if you take me out of that, it's, it will turn into a job for me. Um, yeah. as much as I do, I love our donors. I love our volunteers. I love all that. And they're still fun in interacting with all of them. Um, my heartbeat is still always for our teenagers and it helps me. So even our business director, our donor development people, we require that you be involved in a program. You don't have to run a program, but if we get outside of that interaction, you know, if our if my business guy, Casey, who's phenomenal, if he were to only look at numbers all day, now you're starting to make decisions based on numbers, not based on our students, mm-hmm. right? And once you're interacting with them and it's easy when you're looking at numbers to say, well, let's cut back on our food budget, right? Yeah. Because that's where most of our money goes. But you're not in there meals. with the kids when they're eating. <laughs> yeah. And until you realize that they will take all the food home because they're some of our students are food deprived, now you, you never cut the food yeah. budget. Yeah, you exactly. never will. Right. Yeah. And so how do you keep your heart there? The other thing that's a huge value of ours that I have to say, because I try and talk every ministry into doing this, we have a prayer room. All right. So John John 15, 5, I quote it all the time. Like, apart from me, you can do nothing. We genuinely can do nothing. And God really challenged and convicted me years ago. Like, if we're not praying for our students, if we're not staying connected to him, we'll never last, right? So there's a lot of good things I can do. I'm in my office. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a type A personality. I love lists. I love checking off lists. I love all of that. And God really challenged me. Like, it's he who draws them to himself, right? John 6, talks about it. Like, unless my father draws now spe- him. Now you're speaking my language. I'm, <laughs> I, I have to check my reformed sometimes. I get a little too carried away in here. But yeah, I hear you. Uh, Preach. So we 
require, for lack of a better word, an hour in the prayer room a day yeah. for per staff member. So as much as it's easy for me to be in my office, what actually we'll see we'll see more spiritual fruit is if we pray for our students. So we have prayer rooms. And so if you're on staff, if you're a full-time person, you spend an hour a day in the prayer room. If you're part-time, you spend a half an hour a day in the prayer room. And that's part of your job description. Wow, that's wow, that's a lot. I mean, that's unique. It's that's a lot. pretty cool, but it's it sounds like I'm like I've never that's almost embarrassing a little bit that I'm like I've never you don't hear people doing that. No. And I push every, <laughs> all my urban partners know, I talk about this, South Street, urban, they've all heard me say, yeah. anybody I contact, talk to, because it started to radically change the way that our ministry was affected, right? Spiritually. We mm-hmm. saw spiritual fruit because of yeah. it. Um, and we can't, right? I they, Two of my students have died in the last month. That's my reality, that's my urgency. When I go into the prayer room and there's 1,400 students pictured because we picture them, we have pic- their pictures and their names, and we pray for them by name. So I go in the prayer room. We used to do that with Young Life. We would take all the all the yearbooks, and then that way every kid in every school in Akron was getting prayed for by name. Wow, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a um, that's something we 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 did for years. It's wild. It's an interesting thing. It it's awesome. Yeah. So we pray for the students by name, but when students on my prayer board have died, it creates the urgency when you know only 16% claim any form of church, right? It's easy at times. So (laughs) let me get on my soapbox for one second. It's easy at times to say, like, if one kid comes to Christ through first glance, it's worth it. And do I agree with that? Yes. But when I stand in that prayer room and there's 1,400 students and some of them have died and they don't know Jesus, then I say one is not enough, mm-hmm. right? One isn't even close to enough. And how do we continue to lead them to the hope and love of Jesus? So part of my work day, since you asked, I spend in the prayer room. I spend an hour every day in the prayer room. And there are times that we want to say we're too busy to do that. And I actually, it's the opposite. I'm too busy not to. Hmm. Because one, I have to pray for them. John six forty four, And number two, I have to stay connected to the vine. I will not sustain it. I have not, I've experienced and seen ridiculously hard things. I cannot experience those things without Jesus, right? And so for my own personal growth, so First Glance does two things. One, we require you to spend an hour in the prayer room. And number two, once a month, you spend a whole work day with Jesus. It's called a retreat day. Young Life does that too. It's called a day away. <laughs> Great. We must be more, me and you, man. I think we were we were bound to be friends. <laughs> we were. So yes. So it's not a day off. It's not you're not. It's not a dual purpose. I'm not doing my laundry and spending time with God. It's how do I spend time with God? Where's life? What's life giving for me? So, um, and that can be sitting in a coffee shop and reading books. That can be. I have a prayer room in my house. I spend a lot of time there. I bike sometimes. So you have a. You have a I mean, there's a couple of things there I want to talk about. Um, <laughs> so I talked about Gris earlier. My buddy Gris, when he was uh, the air director here at Akron Young Life, he would have like a day away and he would just text me and be like, hey, phone's off today. It's my day away. I'd be like, all right, I'll pray yeah. for you. Um, so you you have a prayer room in your house? Yes. Can we talk about that? I've yes. never seen somebody with a prayer room in their house. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of cool. Well, we have prayer rooms. So we built prayer rooms at first glance Okay. Um, to pray for our students, right? And what I learned with the prayer room, and I actually encourage our staff to never do their prayer time or their their God time, whatever you want to call it. Um, The quiet time, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. uh, In their 
office because in your office you're doing multiple things. So the temptation to be distracted is easy. When you have a set aside space, so when I would go to the prayer room, because the only thing I ever did in that room was engage God, naturally my heart, my spirit, my mind just went there, right? I didn't have to fight to get there because that's all I ever did in that room. So I was off on a sabbatical. So every five years you get a sabbatical. And so my husband's like, what are you going to do without the prayer room? first glance he's like would you like to build one in our basement and i was like yes i really do and so we build a prayer room and uh i make it soundproof walls because i listen to worship like and sing it as loud as possible but nobody wants to hear that (laughs) so (laughs) that's awesome uh yeah it's just a room it's got a small desk and a small chair and i spend time i mean i was there this morning i spend time every day there because that's where i engage god and i hear from him and i interact with him and I I love it, and it's the only thing I ever do in that space, which is why I wanted a designated space. Now, do I spend time with God in other places in my house? Yeah, I absolutely do, and some days I don't go to the prayer room, but nine times out of ten, I use the prayer room. That's cool. So I I shared with you a little bit about, like, um, so, like, the biggest thing on my heart would be, like, uh, the men, like, the men of the church, like, um, and I talked to you a little bit about that, of stuff with Nate and trying to be, like, and this is something we've been, you know, friends now for a couple of years and we're always having conversations and like, like, how do we, what are the next steps? Like, where are we going with this? Like, what, like, how can we engage the thousands of men who come through here and have no idea how to be a man as defined by the Bible or how to be who their families need them to be? And so, Nate, we, we've been going back and forth for a while and, and uh, this one guy, Bob, this is his friend, he was like, Nate, you, you should probably just start praying with Ben. Like, and he was like, that would probably be my first step. And so we started doing that a couple months ago, uh, actually, and we invited some other guys. It's been really fun on Thursday mornings, um, get together and just talk about men and mm. then just pray. Yeah. And it's been cool. And we just started it like, but it's like, I feel like, I don't know, maybe this is a little bit of a confessional time. I feel like I am, if I'm totally honest, I'm such a strong reader. Um, like I, I think I have a, one of my unique, things would be the time that I spend reading the Bible and, and yeah. kind of searching and probably my ability to understand it. And um, like, I'm just really well, well read in that. Um, and I think that the other thing is like, I don't, my prayer life is not where I want it to be. Hmm. And I wonder how many other people feel that way. Like my prayer life is not as you're describing it at all. And I'm like, man, and I've known that for like a year. That's been something I've been interacting with God on is just like almost that prayer of like, and I have faith, help my faith. Like yeah. I have a prayer life, help my prayer life. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, but now I was listening to a Chandler sermon like three weeks ago and he was like, just pray where you are. At. Just pray where you are. Whatever you got, just pray that. And I've been working on that. Like I hate using language like working on that, but that's <laughs> been something I've been trying to engage is like to have a, a more active prayer life um, and to have more of like a continuous one where it's just like kind of a, a conversation throughout the day that has some, segmented points where it's more intentional um but it can be really easy for me to like to like miss out on that i feel like yeah um and that's a frustration of mine but it's something that at least i feel like i'm kind of dealing with here but i feel like there's a lot of other people that'll be listening to this and being like good grief she's got a prayer room and it's like yeah like she does have a prayer room (laughs) which is kind of wild but it's like that's pretty healthy actually you know what i mean that's certainly more healthy than probably um where a lot of us are at. And so that's a, that's cool. That's an interesting thing to hear. Um, 
Well, I it's kind of an encouragement and kind of a, a like a push too, <laughs> kind of a push. poke in the heart. If I like, could, what yeah. are you doing? I because I functioned so long. I'm a type. If if you're an enneagram person, I'm a type one. I am such my a my sister's doer. all into those. So let me press pause for a second. For two years, they've been trying to figure out what enneagram I am, <laughs> and and I don't think they fully have figured it out. But my sister's like, I think he's a one, and my sister and my wife's like. Well, I think he's like a seven or something, and they go back and forth. But so you're an ideogram person, uh, a little bit, yes. So I'm just a perfectionist, yeah. right? I'm a doer. I'm a perfectionist, and this is where my Christianity can land at times. And I remember years ago saying, like, I was, I'm such a logical person, right? I went, <laughs> I went to counseling, and my counselor was like, "You're the strongest left brain person I've ever met," which is your logic. And I was like, "Hey, that's a compliment," <laughs> but I'm wasn't taking saying it, as, it as a compliment, yeah. right? That might not have been one, but I'm taking it. Thanks. <laughs> um, and I even remember saying to God, like, I never want my lack of of emotion, right? At that point, it was emotion. Like, I never want my lack of emotion or vulnerability to keep me from experiencing all that you have for me, right? And so when God really started to open my eyes that I was trying to run first glance on my own effort and challenged me essentially with, like, starting this prayer room, it it radically changed my life. It radically changed the way I view prayer. And now I I just like, I want to say to people like, the creator of the universe who spoke things into being now gives us full access to him 100% of the day. And we have full access to all of his love and to all of his power. And so to not take advantage of it, to me is like silly, right? So when people are like, Prayer's boring. I'm like, I don't even understand those words, right? Because we have an interactive personal God who loves us and wants to interact with us. And so my encouragement for prayer is, so I had this conversation just recently with a woman. Like there's this, I want to actually get rid of the word quiet time for them because- Yeah, can destroy it. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw it out No, 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 it's okay. Because people think like to interact with God, I need to sit in a prayer room quiet and the, you know, the lights dim and just be still and know I'm God. No, God's such a personal, interactive God who wants to interact with us all the time and will engage you in ways that work for you, right? My husband finds connection with God in nature way easier than the prayer room. I know a lot of people like that. Yeah, and so some people connect with God really well when they're alone in their car and they're just worshiping and driving in the middle of nowhere. Whatever that is, like engage God. But we really do have full access and God promises us like, Man, all if you look at the Old Testament, so often people had to do all these things to have access to God, and God gives us this right away, and he wants to engage us, not out of guilt, but out of relationship, right? Yeah. <laughs> there it, no- it is crazy because, like, I I actually had this exact, what you're talking about, I, I dealt with a couple months ago, I'm reading, and um, I'm interacting with this idea of, like, I'm looking at what we have compared to what the... Old Testament Israelites had. And so they have um, a tent, or then it becomes at least a temple, and they have access, but it's like limited. And then some people can get a little farther. And then in the very center, there's this Holy of Holies, and it's like roped yeah. off. There's that curtain. You can't get in there. Only on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, can the chosen high priest go in there. And he does, he has to wash like seven times in white linen. And then he goes in there to like pay the essentially these offer, like a guilt offering for the sins of the people. Like, Okay, and so I'm looking at that, and I'm like, that is what they were instructed to do 
That is the access that those people felt they had to Yahweh, to, to the God of Israel, our God. And then he comes here, dies on the cross, the temple's torn from the top because he rips it down, and he's like, the access is wide open now. Yeah. And yet, we don't go. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Yeah. So yeah. I have a couple tricks yeah. that I do. Let's hear them. One is, this is bizarre, but it, I've been telling people this. It's all right. I text God. So I started to become God. challenged huh. that my first reaction was to pull out my phone and to text my friend, right? You're having a hard day. You're having a frustrating situation. You saw something really funny, right? Yeah. What do you do? You pull out your phone and you text. My husband hates texting, so I don't text him very much. <laughs> or you, you text your friend. You text these yeah. people. And I started to recognize I was way more often going to my friends than going to God. So hmm. I just created a dummy account, right? It still just goes to my account. It goes to another, you know, account that I set up. But I text God every day. And my goal, honestly, is to keep that line, God's line, at the top three, hmm. right? So as I go throughout the day and I realize, oh, my gosh, he's 30 people down, right? But I text him pictures. I text him like I would anybody else, in joy like god i can't believe you just did I've this, never this i before. told you it was bizarre yeah. the other thing that i do is i have a different screensaver for every day of the week and those are things that i typically pray for so tuesdays i pray for first glance today is thursday and i pray for uh i help do some prayer stuff with love akron i pray for all of akron on thursdays or what is love akron i'm not familiar with that um it's a that's a that's a good question. It's a organization that just kind of unites all of the churches and all the faith based organizations, and just says, "Hey, we're on mission to pray for and to be for Akron." And so they have a handful of prayer gatherings every month, and a handful of like major gatherings where a lot of local pastors and ministry leaders, but also marketplace leaders, come gotcha. together and pray for gotcha. the city. So, anyways, but different people and different things. So, what are things? My challenge is. You're right. We get distracted by our day. I do all the time, right? And so how do you continue with the verse that says, pray without ceasing? Well, what are tricks, right? Texting God. No, he doesn't text me back for those who are wondering. <laughs> Although one time my phone and my computer did glitch, so it looked like he texted awesome. me back. Um, but what are, and I know it sounds silly, but what are things that we can do to continue to be in tune with God? Right. And and that's what he wants. Prayer is not just to ask for things and hope. I always think people think of prayer as like this Hail Mary in the middle of the football game. Yeah. You know, throw this up and hopefully it to, sticks. That seems to be the culture of, of prayer probably in North right. America. But it's definitely more of like a talking or at least even if you look at Jesus' example of it, it's like a, a praise. Yeah. It's like thank you. Like a thank you. Like look who, hallowed be your, your name like type of a coming to God with that of like, I don't even deserve to talk to you and this is how great you are. Yeah. And on that basis, now I'm going to like talk and ask you for stuff, not yeah. just cry out, I need money. Yeah. It, there's no other relationship that you would do that with. There's no. no other relationship that you would only ask for things. And so in prayer, we have the opportunity, what God wants in prayer is for communion, for intimacy, for closeness, for relationship. If you think about it with your spouse, man, why do, why do I go on dates with my husband? Well, I just want some intentional time to chat. Right. And that's, yeah. And that's what God does. He offers us this opportunity for communion with Him, for intimacy with Him. And then in addition, we can ask for things. But when we're in communion with Him, it's kind of like when I ask my husband to do something. um, 
he wants what's best for me, right? And because Tim and I have engaged this world in life, when I ask him for something or say, hey, this is where I want to go or where I want to spend our money or what I want to do, it's because we're in, in line. So now when we go to God and ask for a request, when we're in line with him, and then he says, yeah, he says yes, because we're, we're already in line with what he's wanting anyways, right? You know, it's, and so we get to be in communion with him. So I love prayer. I know yeah. I went off on a tangent no, there. No, that's but. all right. It's, <laughs> it's challenging. Yeah. Huh. I'm still trying to wrap my head around all that. I'm going to think okay. about a lot of that for the rest of the day. Yeah. I'll ask you some more questions when we get off of here. Okay. Um, okay. All right. So you have, um, you have an annual auction coming up. Yes. Now, unfortunately, this thing's going to air like the week or so after your auction. <laughs> But so everything that we'll talk about in the auction can be applied for people for like maybe next year. Yeah. So your auction's coming up. Um, it is November 2nd. So this will probably air like the week after that. Sorry. Um, so talk a little bit about that. What is your annual auction? And is that how you kind of raise a lot of your budget? That's a, a way we large we raise a large chunk of our budget. Yeah. And it's a fun night. Um, it's at the Firestone Country Club. And we... We always have some sort of fun theme. This year, it's superhero, where essentially you dress up like you're going to a wedding, and then you add one piece that makes you feel oh, like cool. you're part of that. Uh, so I'm wearing a cape, of course. Um, there's Naturally. no other time yeah. I could wear a cape. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a great time. A lot of fun, a lot of food, and you all the money goes to first glance, so it's fantastic. That's awesome. Um, okay, let me ask you this. Let's go through your needs. What are the needs of first glance? Um, I had written down a few, just like volunteers, prayer, and, and donations, but um, we can touch on those a little bit. So like uh, vo- volunteer-wise, what are your needs? Um, we're, we're always in need of volunteers. Uh, any regular volunteer is a huge help for us. And my encouragement is uh, I, I want so desperately to tell everybody like a little goes a long way, right? Mm-hmm. And so we think our natural response is, I don't have time, right? Two hours a week can radically impact somebody else's life in our ministry. That's true. I don't say that as a, as a ploy, right? I, had, I ran into a student not too long ago, and she kept saying like, oh, Noel, you guys were, you were a second home to us. You were so great. You were safe, you know, all these things. And she's like, and remember, you used to always take me to interviews i took her to one interview Hmm. but her perception is like you took her i took her we are always there and our students they get attached they just want a number one fan that's how we train our volunteers your job is just to be their number one fan they just need to know that somebody cares about them outside of themselves show up for two hours a week at our program you send them one message in the middle of the week and their life is drastically improved and that's true because they need to know that they're loved and cared for outside of somebody who's required to love and care for them. And that's the love of Jesus too, right? We're, it It's like astonishing that God would love us or care for us, but he does. And we get to demonstrate that to these students who don't think anybody cares about them, especially God. Hmm. That's cool. Um, how many volunteers do you think you guys have? We have about 80 volunteers, regular volunteers. Okay. So we have 11 programs, 80 regular volunteers. Anybody who volunteers once a month or more. And maybe somebody is listening and they say, hey, I can't do every Thursday, but I could do every other Thursday. Great. We'll work with you. There's also a lot of one-time serving opportunities. Hey, you want to come cook a meal? Great. Come cook a meal. You want to, you know, if there's something you want to do on a one-time basis. But regular volunteers really do impact it. And when I have students who don't know Jesus and are dying, 
then I'm desperate for volunteers as well. And I literally was praying for that this morning. That's cool. Um, all right, I want to talk about donating too. Um, I'm going to read this off the site. It says, First Glance operates on a small budget and 76%, 76%, that's a lot, goes directly to the programming and to our students. Um, so your donations really make a difference. 55% of our annual income comes um, through individuals. So yes. just like individuals sign up to support yes. First Glance. Yep. And then like, and then some of it's like, like Grace, the, as the corporate church supports First yep. Glance, that's because you guys are one of our major ministry partners, they would say. That's what yes. Joe said. Um, yes, you are. So, and you give us money and it's yeah, fantastic. Well, that's a good thing because <laughs> it's a cool thing that you're doing right here. Um, and so frankly, if we're being honest, you just always use more, more, yes. uh, Financial support yes. from individuals. Yeah, so 76 of every, cents of every dollar really goes towards our students. I don't get paid a high salary at all. We have only have three full-time people. We have a lot of volunteers. We want every dollar to count and to count for our students. So this is not, uh, I'm giving my money and it's going. A, it's a drop in the bucket and it goes somewhere. It's literally one of those conversations that if somebody gives us a, a, a check for $500, we talk about it in the office, right? Yeah. Like this is a big deal. So some of those organizations, you can get a $10,000 check and nobody talks about it. Yeah. We're an organization that it doesn't take a lot. And we're like, yes, this is a huge blessing to us. And it keeps us running. I mean, it really genuinely, when you think we see over a thousand teenagers and young adults every year and we feed them, we feed, we do about 200 meals a week and we pay for all of it. I mean, our students... Like they are receiving a lot and we aren't charging. I mean, we we really function on a very small budget. So yeah. all the money really has a huge impact. So if you're thinking like, I'm not really a teenage person, but I would love to see this ministry grow. Great. We're also thinking about and trying to start a second location. So, oh, cool. you know, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're in the midst of that. All right. And then uh, the last thing you wrote down is the need was just prayer. Yeah, I already went on my hobby horse of prayer. Guys, you have full access to God. You have full access to all of his love and all of his power. And all you have to do is speak to him. Speak to him on our behalf every once in a while. It literally changes things. I remember there was a sermon by John Piper years and years ago. And I always remember the one phrase. It was like, prayers cause things to happen that wouldn't happen if you didn't pray. And if we believe that, we will see radical spiritual transformation in our city. Piper's my guy. He's <laughs> nice. one of them. Um, all right. I want to ask you about something else. Okay. You want to talk about Akron Women on Purpose? <laughs> Is it on sure. purpose or of purpose? On purpose. So Akron yeah. Women on Purpose. Okay. Um, we're in an hour. Let's give it like okay. 10 minutes. Is Great. that all right? Yeah. Um, so you started this, right? I did. Mm-hmm. How long ago did you start this? We're getting ready for a fourth conference. Okay. So um, when are the conferences? It's They're once a first, year? Is it once yeah, a year? Once a year, first Saturday in March. First Saturday in March. Where, where is it this year? Goodyear Theater. Okay. So this year, it's it's coming. God keeps, I, I just sense God is doing something awesome. I'm so excited. So God kind of gave this vision to me years ago, um, and I, I still have not committed that we're doing this conference every year, but God has very clearly shown me that we're doing it 2020 um, because I don't want to just get in a habit of this is what we do. But really challenged. So we talked about my story, right? Yeah. I, was so how co- did- I was uh I was in college when I started first glance, and people's temptation is to say, like, I could never do what you did. I know well, God used you when you were in college and I'm forty and I'm not doing it. You know, whatever, yeah. right? We like to compare. This is stupid. Stop doing that. Um <laughs> You're not stupid, but our desire to compare is stupid. Yeah. I do it. Um and I really wanted to break down that because what I talked to even you about with First Glance is just be obedient to the next step, right? God has called each of us to be 
a piece, right? In 2 Corinthians, it talks all about that we get to be ambassadors for him, yeah. right? He reconciles people to himself, and he lets us be part of this reconciliation process. And I love it. And so if everyone were obedient to the space that God called them to, and not everybody's called to Kenmore teenagers, and I'm glad for that, because if not, it's going to be super awkward. <laughs> so go be obedient to the next step. So this conference is a rallying of women because we are um, – we we do have power and influence and the ability to see spiritual transformation through women in our city, and so it's a it's a one day event where we highlight everyday women. We don't highlight the Noel Becks that everybody knows or Jody Matthews from Urban Vision. We love her. I absolutely love yeah, her. Yeah, she was cool. I got an hour and a half with her, and I was like, "This is a pretty epic woman." Yeah, she's phenomenal. But I don't highlight the the women that have these kind of strong leadership roles. I highlight women who are doing amazing things for Jesus every single day. So Kirsten Smith was one of my uh, speakers one year, and she 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 couldn't have children, and she adopts three, and and pretty soon she adopts you know a couple more, and and that mom has several more children, same mom, same dad, and she doesn't want to break up the sibling set. So now she has nine children, nine adopted children, nine adopted children, <laughs> and. <laughs> It's intense. And she just says, hey, I was just being obedient to where God called me. And so this conference is a rallying of women and a highlighting of women in Akron to just be obedient to the next step. And so we're really just about three things, Jesus, women, Akron. We don't have extra tables set up, even ministries that we love. First Glance doesn't have a table there. We don't, we don't do any extra tables. We don't sell any books. We don't do anything. It's so pure of Jesus Women Akron and we get a group of women who come and they share their stories and I trust them and I trust the spirit in them so I just say all right you got 20 minutes and I never know what they're going to say until I'm sitting in the audience that day and God molds these women together and we worship and we take time at the end where there we set aside a chunk of time to say hey what do you think God's prompting your heart to do right like and all sorts of crazy stories have happened because women were obedient to the next step. And sometimes we want all of the steps or we want to say, like I said, I never knew I was starting a youth center. I never knew 19 years later I'd be in this place. But just be obedient to the next step that God has called you to. And if everyone were obedient, men, women, everybody alike were obedient to the next step, we would see spiritual transformation in our city. We absolutely would. We don't need to be like the other person. We just need to be where God has us. That's pretty cool. Um, all right, let me just so will you say the date on the date on that again? Yeah, it's going to be March seventh. Okay, it's at the Goodyear Theater. And online, do women if they would if they're listening like I'd like to be a part of that. Just mm-hmm. Akron Women on Purpose. Google that and it'll pop right up. Yep. Yep. And you, do you have to buy uh, so a ticket. You have to register. Com is our website, and you we all have a social media event, and we actually recorded the video for it yesterday. So by the time that this podcast airs, the promotional video and everything will be out. Now, um, do they need to buy a ticket or they just show up for it or how does that work? It is, you buy a ticket. So if you buy the ticket before the end of the year, I believe the ticket cost is going to be $25 and that includes your lunch. And in starting the new year, it will be $30, but also gotcha. includes your lunch. Yeah. So That sounds cool. So it's just basically trying to like, help women realize like you might be a mom with four kids and you feel like you're running carpool all day but like there's a space that god has i mean it says like clear as day like from before the creation of the world i have appointed things for you to do in your journey and so it's like just just step into that and be like god opened my eyes um to that i've been dealing with that a little bit at work of 
like it's sometimes it's so easy for me. A lot of times it's so easy for me just to walk into work to get a paycheck and this and that. And I have to like really be intentional about reminding myself of like, I believe he probably, I'm pretty certain he appointed some stuff for me to do here. Yeah. Like this is a space for me to operate in. So that's kind of what you're trying to just encourage. That's probably the best word is just encourage the women of Akron um, and their journey with Christ of like we have, um, we we believe that God has things for you. Don't be afraid to take the step that you feel like he's calling you towards. Yes, absolutely. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you're in year three, four? Yeah, this is going to be our fourth year. Fourth so year. God has done some crazy things. I always say like God does it and I'm the timekeeper. Like he yeah. just kind of brings the right women and and we have a different band every year and we have a different, like we just try and highlight all the different women that we can, um, whether that's in some of the creative arts. We've had spoken word artists and and whatever, but we just try and highlight as many women as we can. So often women who are in leadership roles get the attention or people as a whole, but there's, God's doing so much in so many spaces. You don't need a microphone and a platform. You just need to be obedient. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, cool. Was well, there anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you want to touch on? I feel like we covered um, pretty good. We, we covered a lot. I know that we did. No, I think I think we're good. Well, I appreciate so, your time. I, yeah. uh, I was definitely encouraged and pushed and I... I'm excited to kind of just think about this conversation with us today. I, I think people will be too. So I, I really appreciate your time. And yeah. um, I'm excited that we're partnering with you guys. And uh, just a reminder, so Hope Project just started uh, a week or so ago. And um, and that's something that we can be involved in. And, and part of that is uh, turning our eyes to uh, to First Glance and how we can help out um, the kids in Kenmore. So I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for absolutely. Thanks for being thanks here. Thanks for letting All me right. come. Take care. Thanks.